seeing friends and relatives. I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer. Well, Lord, following up on that gospel reading, I ask you to give us wisdom. I ask you to give us understanding. Open your word to us now. And I pray as the preacher for your help. Help me to be faithful and true to your scriptures. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, we introduced our first uh, memory verse, which was from Proverbs 1-7. Hopefully throughout the week, you worked on that. I'm going to introduce a new one today, which is actually from Proverbs 3. I'll be preaching from Proverbs 2, but I wanted to do the one from Proverbs 3 because I suspected some of you might actually already know it because there was a song about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it basically said these exact words. But I'm going to put the memory verse up here on the screen. Um, this is from the ESV version, so it's slightly different, just enough to tri trip us up. But we're going to say this together, we're going to take it away, and we're going to try and say it again. It's two verses, it's two verses, but just let's go with it and see what we can do. So together, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. All right, let's try that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Well done. Okay, I'm impressed. Either your short-term memory is really good, or you actually knew the song, or you're just a lot smarter than I am. But whatever the case, I'm grateful that you've got God's Word in your heart. So we'll keep working on that this week, and then uh, in your 2021 groups, you can practice again. So now Proverbs 2, 1 through 11. We are all in this life seeking things of varying significance, from the superficial to life and death matters. This, a uh, couple weeks ago, I walked into the refrigerator and had the experience that we all have. We open it up, and I, I don't know what I was looking for. I don't even think I was hungry. I just was kind of bored, maybe, as if there was something that would be entertaining in there. And I looked at the food thinking, maybe there's something fun to eat. And I stood there realizing, what are, you, what are you even looking for? Which is a really helpful question. Now, that's pretty low on the superficial scale. Maybe slightly higher up is something that happened to us um, a little while back. Heather was getting ready for bed, and she was taking off her watch, and she went, oh, I lost it. And I went, what? She said, that bracelet you got me. I, don't, I, I had it on. And it was a uh, sapphire bracelet, but it had kind of a weak clasp. I'd even had a jeweler try to fix that. And I said, well, well where, you know, trace your steps. Where was it? And she had been at Target until they closed at 10 p.m. And this is like 10.30. And I said, well, it's got to be in the store somewhere, right? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay, I'll go first thing in the morning. What department were you in? <laughs> All of them. She was putting a gift basket together and was looking for ideas and just wandering all through the store with her purse hanging on her arm, and I went, oh, no. I went in in the morning, and I ran around the store for half an hour, and I talked to every single employee, and I was trying to decide whether I should be so bold as to ask them to make an announcement over the intercom, but I decided not to, and I had to get to work, so I left. So if you were in Target about two months ago and found a blue bracelet, can I have it back, please? That's a little higher up on the scale of superficiality, but... What are you seeking these days? And where, where do those things line up on a scale that goes from superficial to life and death matters? What are the things you're looking for? 
Back when uh, Easter Sunday came, I looked up the Easter egg hunt, speaking of seeking things. I just was curious about the origins of it. And the best that the internet could suggest was that Martin Luther, the reformer, actually um, made uh, the practice of having the men in the church hide eggs on the church lawn, and the women and children looked for them, and he used this as a a real-life kind of acted-out parable of the women finding the tomb empty on the resurrection morning. And I thought that was kind of interesting, because it was not only fun, but it was also an exercise in the habit of seeking God, just by seeking these Easter eggs. So the more important something is, the harder you will look for it, whether it's a lost sock or a lost pet or lost love in marriage. The more important it is, the harder you will seek for it. And I wanna suggest this morning that something even greater than those three things is at stake. Seek God's wisdom, not just because it's helpful, but because your very life depends upon it. Now our text today is Proverbs 2, 1 through 11. If you wanna follow along in a pew Bible, it's page 528. And last week we looked at verse chapter one And we said that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That was Proverbs 1, 7, our memory verse last week. And today, we're we're being pushed to pursue wisdom, and then we find that it's only in God. But it tells us a little bit more than what we looked at last week. Now, I want to note, again, the very first verse of chapter 2 says this. My son. So right away, we've got an address. Solomon is writing to a son, some son, any son. But don't think if you're a woman or a parent or an older person that this isn't addressed to you. Think in terms of the construct of King Solomon bringing up the next generation for wise leadership in the nation of Israel. And the son is symbolic of anyone who is naive, inexperienced, simple, even foolish, which means it's all of us at some point. This isn't addressed to everyone, but it's done through the construct of Solomon speaking to a son. But don't tune out if you're a daughter or a parent. The son is symbolic of those in need. And right away, you look at the first four verses, and three times the word if is there. If. If you receive, he says, if you receive my words, if you call out for insight, if you seek it like silver, if. With that word, Solomon is presenting to the son a choice. And by doing it three times, he's conveying urgency. If, if, if he wants his son and he wants us to pursue something. It implies also the possibility that the son or you and I won't seek it. That's the thing about a conditional clause. It has the painful reality that the son might not seek God's ways in his life. And as we said last week, Proverbs is really presenting a binary option the path of wisdom, which is found in God, or the path of wickedness, rebellion, foolishness, naivety, destruction, fill in the blank. There's not much middle ground. It's very binary. And if is saying you have a choice. Solomon wants his son to seek God's wisdom. And even in the, in the Hebrew, the third if is emphatic. Don't just seek it. Seek it diligently. Seek it with all your heart. Now, sadly, many people in the world today and through the ages are not even aware that such a choice is being presented. They're not aware that there's this option, nor that it's a good option. They get caught up, we get caught up and just driven along by secular society. And, you know, the American dream 
life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We just kind of get caught up in living like that and don't realize that there's an option, there's a choice. I don't know how many of you were here back in like 2009, I think the year was. We were very uh, closely connected to the church in Rwanda and one of their bishops, um, a guy named Bishop Jeffrey, I, I think of him as Bishop Geoffrey, the way he said his name, Geoffrey, a very uh, intense man. Geoffrey Rubrusisi, this, that's literally his name, of the Diocese of Chiangugu. I'm, I'm not kidding. Um, he came here and he ministered to us and he shared some things about life in Rwanda. And as you know, in the wake of a, a, a national genocide, there was a whole generation of children growing up without parents. And Bishop Geoffrey had these youth camps with hundreds and hundreds of teenagers now in these camps. And he, he, he came and you know, shared some stuff with us. And then he said, I want you to come to Africa. Now, I never went to Africa. I never ended up going. But he, want, he wanted us to come and, and like do a mission trip there to those youth camps. And in his intense way, he pointed at me. He said, no, I want you, like Mike, I want you to come to my youth camps. And I said, Bishop Jeffrey, what could I possibly say to teenagers who are, have gone through the genocide of Rwanda? And he said, well, I know your story, that you were an engineer, you were succeeding in engineering, and God called you, and you walked away from it, and you never went back to it. And I said, well, that's true. And he said, well, the problem with all these youth is they think if they can just get a, an education and they can get some kind of a pro professional level of success, they will have worldly goods and be satisfied. And while they do need education, they do need help, that is not ultimately what they need. So you've been there, you've had it, you live in the land of opportunity, you have affluence, and you choose to worship Jesus. That's what they need to hear. Very interesting. For those of us that have so much, we have hints of the inadequacy of our lives. We have hints that we need more, that it can't possibly satisfy. Here enters verse four. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. You know, the thing about wisdom is it does not jump out. It has this hidden quality that has to be pursued. Like a hidden treasure, it doesn't raise its hand and go, right here, X marks the spot, dig here. Because you see, hidden treasure won't stay there long if there's a sign telling people where to dig. It gets found. But we're, we're, we're being told to seek it. We're being told to pursue it. And you ask, how does a person know to even look if it's a hidden treasure? Well, the Lord, he's given us a number of reasons to look. One, he's just written his thumbprint all over the created order. The heavens declare God's glory. And so that alone makes us want to pursue him. Who is the creator of everything? Why does this exist? Why are we here? Romans 1 talks about that. The heavens are declaring God's glory, and that should cause us to want to seek him. But not just that. He caused this to be recorded for us. We have the, Sol the Proverbs of Solomon. We have the wisdom of ancient Israel in a book that is the number one bestseller every year. When they list the bestseller books of each new year, they don't even bother listing this one anymore because it's like triple, triple whatever the next highest book is. And I don't know what it is. I heard the stat that like there's something like 6.4 Bibles in the average American home. God's word is out there because he's recorded it for us and he's given it to us. So not only in the creation, but in his recorded word. Is in verse six, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom. He's the one who's telling us it's wise to seek wisdom. I concluded last week by saying, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Wisdom is telling us to seek it. He's telling us to look for it. The creation is saying, pursue him. 
the word of God itself has been given to us, and he sent his son, the perfect wisdom of God, personified in the flesh. Jesus has come to share wisdom. It's interesting um, that Jesus says a similar thing to what this proverb says here about seeking it like hidden treasure. This is Matthew 13, 44, just one verse. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Jesus is conveying to us both the urgency and the importance of seeking God, not just waiting for him to find you, but pursuing him. And the man finds this treasure, and then it's, it's of the life uh, weightiness on that scale of significance where he, in his joy, sells everything he has and goes after this. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's willing to sell it all. It's urgent, even in Jesus' teaching of this, this parable about what the kingdom is like. There's an urgency, and it's worthy of our best because the stakes are higher than we realize. That's why he's willing to sell it all to buy that field. Seek God's wisdom because your life depends upon it. Now, going back to Genesis 3, we have to always go back there because it explains our situation. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, plunged all of humanity and the whole created order into chaos, into sin and rebellion, and into death. If you eat of it, you will die. And their bodies started to decay, and their relationship with God was fractured, and they were cast out of the garden. That's our situation that we're born into. And what we find is that the death happened because of the broken relationship. And therefore, we also learn in the scriptures that life is found in relationship. So, Proverbs 2, if you receive my words, if you call out for insight, if you seek it like silver, what would you expect the next verse to say? What would be the then? If, then what? Then you'll be successful in life. Then you'll get rich. Then you'll you can fill in a lot of different things that you might expect, but it's actually interesting what verse 5 says. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, last week we said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but now we understand the fear of the Lord. And I'm leading two 2021 groups, and in those groups people were like, well, why why do they use fear for God? Shouldn't we love God? Why fear of the Lord? Well, it's a reverence. This is, this is the judge of the universe. This is our creator, and we are in bad standing with him apart from Christ. He does need to be feared, respected, be cautious as our approach to him. He's holy. He's righteous. He's good. He's just, yet he's also loving. And humanity on our own is under judgment. But what's interesting here is that chapter 2 goes on further. I didn't read all of it, but if you get to verses 20, 21, and 22, the last three verses of the chapter, it says this. Again, binary choices. And and by the way, it says, if, 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 then, and then, there are two thens, there is four, like kind of a therefore, four and four, and then there's two so's. So, you'll be delivered, so you will walk. Verse 20, it says, so you will walk in the way of the good, and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land. Think, hold on to that for a minute. The upright will inhabit the land. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous be rooted out of it. Not only cut off, but their very roots taken out of it. Where we are headed 
is to a time when Christ is going to return. He's going to resurrect everyone. He's going to do a final judgment. And those who are these, the righteous described here, will dwell on a renewed earth where Christ will be in our midst. It will be a restore, restoration of what was lost in the Garden of Eden, but better because we'll know God's mercy. We'll know Christ and his sacrifice for us and his love for us. And we will indeed inhabit the land. But there's a severity to this because those who are wicked will be rooted out of it and not be part of that. Understand the fear of the Lord. So to the unwise, seek him, ask for his mercy, reach out to him because he's so good and has so much for you. And then you'll find the knowledge of God and not just head knowledge, but personal knowledge of God. If you looked at verse six, seven, and eight, you know, it says, if, 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 then, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord. For the Lord gives wisdom. We said that, we saw that last week. If you ask for wisdom, he gives it without reproach. He gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. We need a shield in this fool's world we live in. We need God to protect us. It's a dangerous place out there. We need his safe shield, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints, walking wisely in a fool's world. If you seek him, you will find his goodness. You will find his mercy, his forgiveness, his love for you, this shield, his, his guarding you as you go on the path. All of this is poetic language, but it's a little vague, to be honest. What does it really look like? Well, we find it's far more solid in Jesus. What is poetic here, we find, is solidly in Jesus. So I, I found this interesting connection from, from Colossians. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament is praying for the church of the Colossians, and he says this. He's praying that they would all reach the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that interesting that we're told in Proverbs 2 to seek after God's wisdom like a treasure hidden in a field? And in Colossians 2, we're told that in Christ are hidden all of those treasures. So we need to seek him. And then interestingly enough, the wicked is rooted out of the land. And then in verse 7, it says this in Colossians 2 verse 7, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So if you want to understand more fully what God's wisdom looks like, we look to the wise one, the son of God, the one who gave those wise parables, who taught what the kingdom was like, who personally fulfilled what Proverbs is teaching. So how is it that we're supposed to do this? Well, study the person of Christ, actually read the gospels, look at what he did, Pay attention to his ministry and copy it. Now, you can't die for the sins of the world on the cross. So what would Jesus do? Well, he's the Messiah and Savior, so he had some things to do that you can't do. But he walked wisely in this fool's world. He was kind to his enemies. He prayed for them. He sought the Lord in prayer constantly. He accepted all kinds of people. He was loving. This is what God's wisdom looks like. But he was also righteous. So study the person of Christ and his ways. And then treasure his teachings. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. That's why in this sermon series, we're trying to memorize some of God's word. 
We're trying to treasure it in our hearts, to understand it so it's readily available to the Holy Spirit when we need it. He can bring it real quickly to our mind. And, and the other scripture uh, memories that we're going to use are um, ones that I promise are going to come back to you. Um, there's some really interesting ones, and they're easier to remember than the one for today. But we're going to have seven of these, or eight of these, for our sermon series, and we're treasuring God's commandments. We're hiding them in our heart. And then finally, train your heart in prayerful seeking. Learn to talk to Him. Talk to Him and say, God, I need wisdom in this situation. And, and ask Him as a good Heavenly Father to help you. And develop the habit of talking to Him and praying and seeking Him. Our life will be in inhabiting the land. And we are being prepared for an eternal work with God. And so even right now, we're learning how to say, God, what do you want to have happen in this situation? Your kingdom is coming into this moment, and I'm part of it. Lord, what does it look like for your kingdom here? How can I be part of that? We're learning how to be God's helpers, his servants, the ones that he's called as his friends to co-labor in his creation. And so we've got to learn to hear his voice. We've got to talk to him. We've got to ask for wisdom. We've got to then obey when he speaks to us. This is of life and death urgency. And so what is most important, we will seek with most effort. So seek God's wisdom because your life actually depends upon it. And we're going to sing a sermon response song, but I'm going to pray first, and I'll invite the team to get up uh, and get ready to sing. But let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord God, I pray that you would stir within us a desire to seek you. I thank you, Lord, that much like Jesus' teaching, it was confusing at first, and those who had ear to hear came and heard more, and their understanding grew, and their knowledge grew, and their love for you and relationship with you grew. I pray that for us. Lord, draw us into your word, into prayer. Help us to be more like you. May we experience your kingdom in the various places where we go. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I invite you to stay.